You are listening to Anamkara, a podcast about the spiritual journey and what makes us human. Anamkara is a soul friend, a person with whom you can share your deepest thoughts, feelings, and dreams with. In this podcast, I will share my journey as well as occasionally have guests from myriad different religions and walks of life. And for a time, we walk together and learn from each other's journey. So come along with us and be an Anamkara, a soul friend. The Sanskrit word apanhita is described as aimlessness. Not in the sense of wandering in circles, but in the sense of a flower growing into bloom without forcing it. It just grows. In the context of spiritual growth, it's not seeking enlightenment or to be saved as an end goal, but rather to be in that present moment and allow your growth to be happening naturally, moment by moment, and cherishing that growth even as it naturally grows towards its fullness. It's, so, Apranahita is allowing yourself just to grow naturally, to, to spiritually develop. It doesn't mean you don't do the work, but it doesn't mean you are trying to force enlightenment. You're not trying to force salvation, any of that type of stuff. So let me encourage you, make your spiritual practice full of anahita. And let me introduce you to our guest. My guest today is Melissa Mayhem. Melissa is a tattoo artist. And so we connected over social media uh, where I had asked a question, inviting people to share what their individual spiritual practice was. And Melissa described her practice her spiritual practice as being a tattoo artist. I don't know about you, but I was intrigued and I wanted to know more. So enjoy this interview of Melissa as we explore what it means to use art and specifically body art as a means of spiritual work. And welcome Melissa. Um, how about just to start, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you came to be a tattoo artist. Okay. Well, my name is Melissa Mayhem. I am a priestess and Hecatine devotee. Um, I came to tattooing. Basically, it was sort of like the gods kind of like put me in it and it fell into my lap. Um, I had never had any sort of... Um, what's the word I want to use, drive, if you will, to become a tattoo artist. In fact, tattoos to me at the time that they were introduced to me were still sort of a mystery. Um, I was familiar with like what kids today call stick and poke because that's how I got my first tattoo. But as far as like the actual process of, you know, giving and getting a professionally done tattoo was super new to me. And a friend of mine was doing it. He had been sort of, um, we call it initiated into the mysteries of tattooing uh, via biker culture, which is funny because he's the furthest thing from a biker. He's just, we were like little punk rockers. And um, he said to me, you know, if you really want to learn how to do this, because I think you should, 
you know, you'll show up at my place every day at my studio and you'll learn. And I did. And, and it was interesting because it was just at the time that I started to really also apply my life in the craft. So that was back in 1990. And I had gotten into, you know, the magical community probably around like 86, 87, and then around like 88, 89. And then finally it was almost like 1990 was this huge beginning of the initiatory you know, experience. And then finally, this is going to sound really weird, but in 1991, I had a house fire and it originated at an altar I had to pan. Because when you're 17 years old, 18 years old, you really shouldn't be playing with panic energy. <laughs> Especially if you're not very well educated as I was not. And um, so my home burned down, I became homeless. And wow. that's when my teacher brought me in to live with him and said, you know, you can live with me, you can be my roommate and your apprenticeship goes into full force. And I never look back. Wow. So wow. that's it. The gods put me there. <laughs> so were you raised religious in any type of religious background? I was, I was raised very, very, very deep, old country, Italian, Roman Catholicism. In okay. fact, my, I was raised by my grandmother and my grandmother had aimed for me to become either a school teacher or a nun or both because I have a cousin who is or was she just passed <laughs> but she is and you know was a school teacher and a nun wow wow and she was sort of my idol growing up but when i got into the craft and she and i had sort of reunited as adults she was actually quite happy for me because of you know the whole the she was very quiet about it she didn't necessarily approve of the witchcraft but she approved of my work and being a priestess and moving on in the tradition and being ordained and everything mm -hmm. kind of gave you life and i think yeah yeah i find that deeply spiritual people regardless of their tradition or their mm -hmm. background will kind of recognize it in each other even if they don't quite understand yes. the other they can they can recognize all right there's something life-giving here exactly and we talked about it you know it's and it's funny too because when i started you know, becoming interested in the craft. I was about, you know, 13, 14 years old, and it was around the time of confirmation. And I was having sort of spiritual crisis and we had gone on a church retreat and I was alone in the Mary Chapel kind of crying because I wanted to make my grandmother happy by receiving confirmation, but I wanted to be true to myself and follow, you know, what I was being called for. And one of the priests caught me there and he was from Haiti. <laughs> and he sat down with me and he said, you know, Melissa, I was raised in a different spiritual tradition than the church. But in my home, you know, the only opportunities I had were if I became a priest in the Catholic church. So at home, I am a priest in an old country tradition. But here in the church, I am a priest of this tradition. Mm. And he goes, Melissa, do what your heart tells you. All roads lead to God. And I was like, oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> you know, I love that story so much. I don't, you know, I'm pretty openly gay um and i tried to be celibate and became a roman catholic monk and it was actually a priest that says god understands god gets yeah. it go and find someone settle down and it, you love those people so much that kind of just reminds you yeah and I, I find many of them actually in the catholic church i hear a lot of horror stories but i'm like i didn't experience any of those thank goodness but yeah Hey, Roman Catholicism opened the way for me to get into witchcraft. I mean, my grandmother, everything we did was built upon the Neapolitan cult of the dead, which was we went to the cemetery every Sunday. We took care of, we tended graves, not just our family, but the ones around us. And 
church and novenas, you know. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Mary, entered, you know, I still love Mary. It's very funny, but she was kind of my first introduction to the divine feminine. And like, yeah. I, it's like I want to show you my room because I have like, where is she? Uh, I yep, got them all. See them? Mm -hmm. So I have all my ladies. I've seen Anne up there. So anyway. Love it. Love it. Um, a, a few episodes ago, I interviewed an author, uh, Christina Cleveland, who was a evangelical theologian and now worships Black Madonna. Wow. And she wrote for Christianity Today, a lot of the big name. And she wrote a book called God is a Black Woman. And if you get a chance, listen to that because she traveled in Europe and visited all the Black Madonnas in Europe. She's had some powerful uh, experiences. Oh, so, <laughs> kind of like soul sister there. I'm like, oh my gosh. All right, well, let's see. And next question. So kind of coming back to the tattooing, um, mm -hmm. you mentioned, were you always kind of a, an artist? Did you enjoy drawing growing up? How did that, or did you learn the process actually during tattooing or were you already an artist? Well, I was already, you know, doing artwork. In fact, it was the, the whole thing that got the ball rolling with the tattooing initially was that I was in art school and that's when my friend approached me and he said, you know, so how's it going with your, your at school, you know, very thick Boston accent. And I was like, oh, it's going great. I'm selling hats here on a cart and, you know, little illustrations here and there. And he goes, well, why don't you come and learn how to tattoo from me? Because I'm making money from at, and you can make money too. He goes, and maybe you can even put your witchcraft stuff. <laughs> put your stuff on there little does he realize that like you know his his work really you know uh was the work of the gods it wasn't just work of you know simple fate i think it was a little bit more complex in a good way you know so i was already you know known in my community for being an artist and everything so so yeah. you know for me i view the divine as an artist and so when i look at the night sky or the sunsets that is the artist and even our coincidences in parentheses or in quotations um as part of that artist tapestry now you being an artist and even an artist on people's skin do you view yourself as kind of participating in that divine action kind of like a union with god in that process yes I think of it mainly as being a conduit for the individual because it's such an act of personal and intimate transformation with that yeah. person. So it's when they, especially when somebody comes to me and they want a devotional piece, you know, we'll discuss it. Um, I always tell people I'll dream on it because a lot of my visions and things come to me in my dreams. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it really is a part of my work, a lot of dream work and visionary, like vision work. Um, but working specifically in devotional tattoos, it's like I am merely a tool for the individual getting the tattoo as well as the deity. So, or the, or the entity or whatever force. And it's not like I'm a medium or a channel. It's just that I'm just there to take what they're being divinely inspired to get. And I am merely their tool to put it there. Let it and flow and a yes. manifestation or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. So it's this really interesting connection, whereas I'm a tool for both, you know, the here and the material and that, you know, the ethereal that is above, around, within all of us. So it's just, it's interesting. It's nice. It's kind of weird. <laughs> it's I, almost I like, like a embodying of that. I don't know if you've heard this chant. We are the flow. We are the ebb. Yeah. 
Yes. We are the weaver, we are the web. And we kind of become all of that. And so in your in your art and in your work, you kind of become that conduit that you're Absolutely. the weaver, but you're also the web that does it. Yeah, no. it all becomes one, it's all one. It's it's a really beautiful process too because it's like you know i work with people from so many different spiritual traditions mm -hmm. so it's like if i'm working on somebody who walks a more shamanic path you know um, will you know there's like a, a a whole community that gathers around them while we're doing the tattoo or if it's more of a private thing you know while gear the ritual for you know because i bring a lot of ritual into the tattooing sometimes depending on you know what i'm available and able to do for the client um but you know, it, it's just, I don't know, it's exciting. <laughs> I wish I could just show you everything, you know? Absolutely. What do you think is the spiritual sig significance of getting a tattoo? Oh, so many, so many um, healing, spiritual significance, initiation for people, closure, um, you know, beginning a cycle, beginning even a magical working, people will use their bodies in order to, you know, uh, bring about a, a spell working as simple as that, mm -hmm. you know, or prayer. Um, again, like I said, devotional. So it's, it's, it's always different. It's always really interesting what people are doing spiritually when they get tattooed. And even with mundane folks, if you will, um, you know, people will come to me and they don't realize that their tattoo does have a lot of spiritual significance. It doesn't just have to be in the imagery that's spiritual. It's like, they'll come to me and say, my partner and I are trying to conceive and I found this really beautiful design of an apple and I have a feeling that this apple, you know what I mean? It, and it's like, you're sitting there and you're like, the gods are talking to you, my friend. <laughs> it's like right. this apple, this Aphrodite, this energy of love and creation and manifestation and, you know, and, and I can't always just blurp that out as much as right. I want, but I know as the priestess, as the artist, that that's what's coming through and needs to be done for that person so there's a a ton of spiritual significance and i always find that the universe is always kind of tapping me on the shoulder when a client comes to me and they're like you have something to learn from this you have something i need you to do so it's like i'm a constant employee <laughs> right i was i love that you use the word priestess in in this context because that was immediately what i was thinking as you're telling this you are you're a midwife, you're a priestess of healing, empowering, all those things you said, bringing closure, um, yeah. just all the reasons people come and you help them give birth to it mm -hmm. in, in, a, in a holy symbol, a holy icon on their skin. Yes. Um, wow, and that's, that's beautiful. Thank you. It's also, I mean, it's part of my work as a Hecatean devotee because Hecate, as you know, you know, she is known as, um, Polynumos, you know, the, the many named and part of her job is not just from the womb, I mean, from, yeah, from tomb into womb, but she's also, you know, from womb to tomb. So it's like, that's my job also with these people is, you know, beginning things, ending things, beginning things, ending things, caring for things, manifesting things, you know, she's the soul of the cosmos. So that's sort of my job through her is to, you know, create and do this job. So it's, you know, and it's also, it's kind of like holding keys and shedding light and, you know, doing all those things. So, you know, I'm her employee. <laughs> so before I ask this next question, how many tattoos do you have? Because I know oh Melissa can't see. Yes, yeah, so it's, uh, Melissa's covered with tattoos. I can already tell. 
How about, do you know <laughs> I, how many do you have? I always tell people I have one big one in progress. So, okay. and that is pretty much everything. I mean, my arms are sleeved. I have my, my chest done, uh, ribs, you know. So my, my back is partially done. I have Kali on my back. So like I always tell people, she's got my back. But uh, yeah, and I have Fikate on the front, you know, with her, the strofalos. Right, I recognize uh, the, the kind of labyrinth. Uh, yeah, yep. Her yep. wheel, as some people call it. And Right, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I was trying to think, all right, what is the term for it? Um, what that's is what the some most people... power? Oh, sorry, go ahead. A... Oh, no, 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 go ahead. What is the most powerful experience, if you're comfortable sharing, you've had mm -hmm. while receiving a tattoo? and or giving a tattoo, sharing, you know, creating a tattoo on a person's body. Getting my, my personal experience, getting a heavy duty magical tattoo was the Strophilos on my, the Hecatean devotee tattoo, because I had gone to three or four other artists and they all blew me off for it. And I felt like, okay, I'm not ready. Okay, I'm not ready. And then finally I was able to get it from this guy who's one of like, in the tattoo world, he's a very, very big name. And it was kind of special, you know, to have this gentleman who started tattooing at the age of 12, you know, mark me with this sac very sacred symbol. And all kinds of stuff was happening that it was like my life was changing. There Again, there was another cycle being initiated in my life. And, you know, it's like it was so profound and I had so many visions while it was happening and it, like tears started pouring out of my eyes and all the guys that I was with because it was like a regular tattoo studio and there were my friends and we're all laughing and they're like oh it hurts doesn't it doesn't it and I'm like you guys don't understand it's a little deeper than that but and then another time in giving a spiritual tattoo it was really interesting I was working on this woman who's a, um, a devotee of Odin and she's going through a lot of like healing work. And while I was working on her, I think I was doing uh, Hugin Immunen on her back, um, the two ravens of Odin. And she was in so much pain and she had a group of people around her and people, you know, did laying of hands on her. Um, people were chanting, like she was chanting and she was just like wailing and wailing and like letting out all of that energy and that you know all of the feeling and the emotion and everything and while i was working on her usually when people move when i'm tattooing them i have to ask them not to move right. but with her at this point in the tattoo it was just that i didn't have to worry about lines so having your hands on somebody while you're doing such magical work i could feel like all of the energy because it was on her lower back you know, coming from the base of her spine and up and just kind of wrapping around like the Kundalini, some people talk about just really weaving its way through her. And as I was working on her, I found that we were all of a sudden, we were moving. And now that I say that, it makes me think of Midsummer. <laughs> oh, is that, all right. I know the scene you're talking about. Uh, I, I, we did a, an Aphro, Aphrodite, um, reenactment of her story of losing Adonis. She was a lover of Adonis. Uh, he yep. died, and that was the one person she actually really loved. Yes. And she weeps and she wails. And what her name, one of her titles is Aphrodite the Gravedigger. And um, so when we reenacted it, we took, I showed that scene 
yeah. of, of a weaving. And I said, this is what I would love to see during this reenactment where they're crying and wailing with her and breathing with her and all of this. So powerful. There's something, yeah, that's funny. I didn't know anyone else was so moved by that. <laughs> so There's, yeah, I can imagine it. You know, that was, that was real, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's based on, and you know, folklore, but you know, very, very, palpably real mm -hmm. so you know, but that's how it is with with you know working in that you know capacity as this sort of a conduit once again it's like i am separate from them because i am not of their tradition and I, i'm very honored because people from all these various traditions have welcomed me into their space mm -hmm. to do this work and so it's like i actually become without trying an active participant in this mm -hmm. extremely you know, potent, magical, transformative rite. So it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. It's beautiful. Love it. I can just picture it. <clears throat> um, it was cool. So you, well, and the, the, my next question really is, you know, I was really gonna say, do you have any tattoos that are holy icons of your spiritual path? If you had to name one of your tattoos, wow. that is almost like, all right, this is a horrible analogy, but it's kind of like the cross to the vampire, or it is the oh, symbol yeah. of your, what would it be? It would probably be the one that I'm showing you on the screen now. I call it my Sigillum de Hecate Babylon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Talk it's basically- So the, describe that for those who are unable to see that. Maybe uh, Patreons, we can post the picture or something like that if you're comfortable. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's, um, if people are familiar with ceremonial magic, um, Dr. John D, his table of the angels or the sigillum de Amet, or the, the um, sigil of God, if you will. Um, he had various angel names inside all of these little areas, the little geometric forms and figures. And he had so them written too, okay. And in this, I have it written in English, but I have several names of the Kate. I have, you know, it's a Sekate, uh, Phosphorus, Propylaia, Sotiera, um, and Kleidukos, so the key bearer, the savior, the light, and, you know, Propylaia, uh, she at the gates, and then Hecate, and then her name around the pentagram in the center, and then around it is the septagram, which represents usually the seven planets, but in each one there's the word um, or the letter for Babylon. So in Babylon being sort of like, Hecate to me, is, is the all, she is the soul of God. She's almost like Sophia and Shakti together. She's the all. And Babylon is sort of like the earthly all. So I look at the two goddesses as working together and I don't necessarily look at, perceive, feel, regard Babylon as being a purely sexual goddess, like a lot of people in various traditions like in Thelema do. Right. I look at Babylon as sort of this, the word sanguine comes to mind, um, to my mouth. Um, she's of earth, you know, she's the cup, she's the, the wine, the creation. And Hecate is sort of like that, the soul that comes into her, so to speak, you know? So I look at these two goddesses as having worked together you know, in, in all of creation. So that's why I wear the sigillum on me. And, you know, of course the pentagram at the center and, you know, just words in general and letters have potent power and meaning. And, you know, so to have them etched into my skin and on my arm, it's 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 an honor, it's protection. It's my, my armor, I tell people, all my tattoos. I mean, they started off as my armor. 
Um, but yeah, that's that's my number one. <laughs> so I uh, I have two tattoos, and the tattoo artist one talked nonstop, which was fine because again, I didn't know really what I wanted. It was a whim. And then yep. the second one, I spent years thinking about before I got my second one. And so it was very meaningful. And and wildly enough, without this person knowing, but was very silent during the whole thing. Do you see a role for silence in tattooing? And if so, what is that like, that sacred silence? I do. Why? I do. And it really, it's usually dictated by the client. Before I do these kinds of tattoos, I always ask the client, like, what is the atmosphere you want to create with me? What is it? Do you want silence? Do you want music? I'm very big into atmosphere. Atmosphere is so important because it's part of the magical process. And as modern day people, we have the ability to create almost any atmosphere. So silence is, it's heavy. But for me, I'm always in my head anyway. Right, <laughs> be a conduit and a channel for that that energy and that work but I'm fine I'm fine with that and then there are people that are just we kind of do the it, magical tattoos mundanely mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we, right time we watch movies we listen to music um, yeah. they'll get chatty I get chatty a lot of times the talk is also helpful because um, sometimes will people will talk about the reason why they're getting the tattoo the process yeah Exactly. It's just sort of this, sometimes it's a purging, sometimes it's an excitement and a, um, a catalyst to get the tattoo going, like I like to say, to activate it, to bring it to life. Um, so yeah, but the silence one is usually heavy. That's usually a lot of the memoriam and the closure tattoos. So. Right. If someone was going, wanted to get a sacred tattoo, Mm -hmm. What kind of things should they either ask or let their artists know? What kind of, how do they go about that? Would you recommend? There are so many different ways to go about it because there are so many different kinds of tattooers. Um, I always recommend that people look for a person in their area that is, you know, spiritual friendly, if you will. They don't necessarily have to be pagan or craft or, you know, magically oriented. Um, they could be anybody, just as long as they're open to, to what it is you're trying to manifest on your body. Um, but I always tell people, you know, to, to go about it, of course, seriously. Don't be too serious because tattoo artists are on the whole. We're not overtly take life too serious people. Right. Um, we're human, very human, <laughs> almost too human. Uh, you know, I, I would say... First of all, also, well, first of all, many, many of all, think about it. Be very precise, articulate as best you can what it is you're trying to get in, in creating your tattoo. And also let your artist have some free reign with it as well. You know, trust them because that's what we do. We're, you pay us to dream and create for you. And if you sort of give them that freedom a lot of times you'll notice that your god your goddess your deity your spirits your ancestors whatever it is will come through them without them even knowing and the, the right design will come to you the right artist will come to you so if you're looking for that spiritual tattoo 
and you're not finding the right person, you're not clicking, you're not jiving, you're not feeling it, it's not time yet. And I always tell people be patient because if you're not patient and you keep pushing the process, it's gonna be terrible. You're gonna have a terrible experience. Chances are the tattoo isn't gonna come out the way you wanted it. And then you're gonna have all this regret tied to this supposed to be beautiful experience. So yeah, yeah you know, take your time with it, be patient and, and um, you know, be kind and, and allow the fates and, and the universe to do its job because that's what sacred tattoos are. They're the universe talking to you. They're the universe wanting to talk through you. So, you know, let that process happen. If someone wanted to find your shop and, and seek you out to get a tattoo, yeah. how would they do that? Where, where, is that I, possible? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Facebook took down my artist page, which I'm not happy about. Um, but I am on Facebook. I am on Instagram. I have started up a TikTok where I'm ridiculous and talk about mental health issues and um, very strong mental health advocate. Um, but yeah, you can find me on there. Um, my shop is Good Mojo Tattoos. That's what I should have said in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> my shop is Good Mojo Tattoos and we're located in Beverly, Massachusetts. We're right over the bridge from Salem. So seriously, if you were in Salem and you wanted to come over and visit us, it is not even a minute over a bridge, <laughs> three blocks up. And I know your your name spelling is unique. And so would you spell that? So if they're looking that up and they wanna look for you, Sure, it's Melissa, M-U-L-Y-S-A. I tell people it's asylum backwards because it is. And <laughs> mayhem. and that's thanks to David Bowie. So we'll build a glass asylum with just a hint of me. So, uh, but Melissa is my real name. <laughs> perfect, perfect. But yeah, and you can find me, like, like I said, on Instagram as Melissa Mayhem. I'm always Melissa Mayhem. If anybody else is, they're in trouble because it's trademarked. <laughs> All right, there you go, there you go. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for taking your time being on here and answering my questions and putting up with my ramblings. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for putting up with my rambling because mm -hmm. I could go on forever. So it was fantastic. Thank you so thank much. You. Bye. Cheers. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you want to continue listening, please consider joining our Patreon or visiting us on Facebook. Until next time, this is PAX. Mm -hmm.